0: All right, I forgot to tell you part of my story from the other day, or maybe it was this morning, I don't know, last night, I'm not sure, but the one where I got lost in the woods. So the trail, the blue trail, I forgot to tell you this, the blue trail I was following was not a trail. It was marks put on the trees by a logging company. Trees they wanted to log or fell next, and that's why it led nowhere. So hours and hours of following blue markings that led nowhere. Anyways, I just thought I'd tell you that quickly. Okay, we're going to do something quickly. I, am, I want you to stand up. Stand up. You're going to say the verse. But this time, if you have it memorized, I don't want you to look. Okay? Okay? But thanks be to God on the top of all the evening pages, okay? The theme verse, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven fifty eight. 58. Okay, are we ready? If you know it, don't look. And I'm going to video you this time so I have this as a memory. You ready? Here we go. wave to the camera. (laughs) There you go. These are the girls on crazy hair night. Okay. Well done on that verse. How many of you did memorize it? What? That's so awesome. All right. Good job. Good job. Okay. Tonight's little lesson is on the part of the verse that says, therefore, be immovable. That's your first blank. Immovable. Okay? It's, it's similar to the word steadfast. Okay? It's similar, but it's not exactly the same. Steadfast means it won't ever change. It won't ever fail. So if the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases... The love of the Lord for us will never fail. It will never change. No matter how bad you are, no matter how wicked or evil or rebellious you are or I am, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Okay? That's such good news. Because there will be times in your life when you mess up. Remember we talked about King David and his sin? Did God stop loving him? No. Even when his spirit was no longer steadfast, and he was charmed by a pretty lady that he shouldn't have been charmed by, and he messed up pretty badly, okay? God's love for him never changed. And God's mercies for him were new every morning. That's what that song means, okay? His love for you will never change. Now, does that mean that we just have a free pass, we should go out and live exactly how we want and do everything that the Bible tells us not to do and that would displease God just because his love never ceases? No. Paul says, God forbid. God forbid that we abuse the grace of God and just keep sinning, right? We want to be like who? Jesus, right? God, Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. We don't want to continue in destructive paths, paths that are wrong. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about immovable with a story. Are you ready for another story? I think you are, because you're already like, meh. Okay, so here's a story. Okay, when I was 16, about 50 years ago, no, that's a joke. Nobody laughed, that's awkward. That's how old (laughs) they think I am. They think I'm 66. Okay, when I was 16... I went to a different camp. That, that was my first mistake. Again, nothing, crickets. Wow, okay. So I went to a completely different camp and I did not have a good experience and you're gonna, you're gonna understand in a second, okay? To say that I did not have a good experience is an understatement in every way. So on the way to camp, I was going with a friend and her family and on the way to camp, my eyes are really, really itchy in the van And uh, really itchy. I mean, things are out of control. Coming out, crusting over. So we stop in at a little clinic on the way to camp, already not going well, even before we get there, okay? And they diagnosed me with pink eye right before camp starts. Oh, no, don't even gasp yet. That is the beginning. That is nothing, okay? So I get to camp, and my eyes all crusty and red. That's not great for making new friends. Like, nothing, Just nothing. This is rough. You guys need more sugar in your diet. So, okay, it's not good for making friends if your eyes all crusted over with stuff. Wow. Okay, so we get to camp and uh, I had some eye drops that the, the nurse had to help me with at every meal right in front of all the rest of the campers. I'm like, you know, she's dripping the eye drops in there. So we get to this camp and it's super hot out. I hate heat. I told you that already. It's super hot out. And the very first thing, we kind of showed up a little late because of my doctor's visit. And the first thing they're doing is playing volleyball with eggs. Just don't. Okay, there's two things that I really don't like. I'm very steadfast about these two things. I don't like heat, and I don't really like to get dirty. Okay? So it's already like, ooh, what's happening? So they were using, like, beach towels to lob the raw eggs over the net, and then back over, and you'd catch them with ease. But of course, eggs are cracking and hitting people and slopping all over your skin. And because it's so hot, the sun is frying the egg <laughs> on your skin as you're playing. It's turning white and fried like at breakfast. And we get through this game, okay? I'm already in kind of a bad mood because of the pink eye. And uh, we get to end of this game, I have egg, fried egg all over me. And I like sit down on the grass and I find a stick and I just start like crusting the egg off my skin and my team that I had joined for the week was having like a team meeting trying to pick who would get to be like captain of the team, co-captain of the team and I'm like, who cares, right? I'm in the sun already in a bad mood like at the end of the book of Jonah, if you have any idea what I'm talking about. Foul mood. Okay, and... Uh, My friend gets picked captain, and I'm like, yay, yay, good for you. And uh, within the first day, I find out I also have a cold. So I have all those symptoms, too. Sneezing, coughing, you know, the whole thing. Itchy eyes, crusty eyes, the whole thing. It's just getting more and more fun by the second. But this camp has one good thing about it. Well, two, maybe three. Okay, whatever. But they had a nap time. Oddly. It was for high schoolers. I know. I know. And there was like a a mandatory rest. Great. If you're not feeling well, that is great. So you get to go into your bunk and just lay there, you know. And uh, we did this every day. And my friend told me, my good friend who'd become captain of our team, told me that uh, she was going to be climbing the climbing wall on Wednesday and I better not miss it, okay? And I, of course, was not going to climb the climbing wall. I don't do anything like that, just so you know. I stay firmly planted on the ground at all times. There's going to be no up in the air at all. Nope, no climbing, no flying, no zip lining, no jumbo dogs. I'm very boring in that way, in that way. Okay, so she's going to climb the wall, you know, so we're going through all these different things every day, and they're all mildly annoying, all these initiatives like, okay, your team is going to pretend that everything outside this area is boiling hot lava, and the only way out of the situation is to climb through an inner tube and cross the boiling hot lava, and I'm like, but there is no boiling hot lava. This is dumb. And you have to somehow get your whole body through an inner tube. Super embarrassing, right? While everybody watches. It's like you're a sausage trying to fit through the casing or whatever. (laughs) And I'd be like, (laughs) I just had a bad attitude the whole time. Like, when's lunch? Right? Right? And everything's dirty and hot, which wasn't helping. And then you'd go take a shower, and the shower was freezing cold. Like, it hurt to, to rub out the shampoo, rinse out the shampoo. It hurt. It was so cold, okay? It was so cold, it hurt. Usually it's hot, it hurts. This was so cold, it hurts. So this whole thing, okay? So we get to Wednesday, and I'm in rest time, and I over-rested. And I wake up, and I am missing my friend Climb the climbing wall, and I promised her. So I go running up this trail, okay, which was like mulch, dirt and mulch. I go running up this trail and just wipe out on a tree root and go flying, you know, in flip-flops, and my foot really, really hurt, but I was like, eh, ah, whatever. So I get up, dust, you know, dust the mulch off. I'm not very athletic either. So there's just a whole lot going on. So I get up to the climbing wall, and I'm like pretending I was there all along. She's halfway up. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and somebody came over to me, and they're like, you have blood like all around your foot. And on that tree root, I had just cut the bottom of my foot just open. And... They had to get the camp nurse, and the camp nurse came in like a little, like, go-kart that beeped. So everyone knew it was coming for you, like, beep, 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 all the way to you, and everyone's like, yeah. So I get in the go-kart with the nurse, and we beep, 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 all the way to the little nurse's hut, and we get in there, and she's like, sit down, I've got to look at the foot, we've got to make sure that there's, we, you know, disinfect it. And she puts, she's like, oh, Christy, I don't know how to tell you this, but it's really bad. There is all sorts of dirt and mulch, like, in the cut, under the skin flaps. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, and? I mean, you're the nurse. And she's like, well, bad news. (laughs) We're going to have to soak your foot in a bucket of peroxide. Yes, guys, this is true. Worst week of my life. So she puts, you could have heard me screaming all over the camp, okay? And then when she finally gets my foot out of there, she's like, you're going to need to keep your foot really, really clean. I'm like, have you been to camp? Like, have you ever stepped out and looked around you? Because it is pretty much dirt everywhere. And she's like, well, you can wear my rubbers. I wear a size 12. You can put my rubbers over your socks and they're like duck, like duck what what are the ducks' feet called? Flippers? It's kinda like that. It's like flop, all over camp, okay, just to keep that, that wound dry. And uh, so it's a whole thing. And then I get back to the cabin and realize somehow I've gotten so dirty, okay, and wet and dirty in all these games that I'm out of underwear. So I go to my friend's mom, okay, who was there. I was like, can you do a little laundry for me? She's like, sure, give it to me. So I give it to her in a bag, and she comes back a few hours later. (laughs) She goes, Christy, I I don't even know how to tell you this. Um, Somehow, and I've looked everywhere, somehow I lost your underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, it's not even over yet. And I'm like, what do you mean you lost it? She's like, I checked the laundry room, I checked the machines, I checked the trail. I'm like, the trail? (laughs) My underwear are on the trail? So anyways, apparently they were somewhere. So I never got them back. So every day I'm like washing out the pair I wear, you know, hanging them up to try. It was terrible. So the next day, this is the climax of the story. That's not even the climax. The next day, our whole team is going to do this like ropes course up in the air in the trees. Remember what I told you, okay? <clears throat> I'd never done a ropes course before, and so I'm at the bottom watching my friend do it, and she's like an athletic monkey, okay? <laughs> she's like up there just jumping around like no big deal, and I'm watching her from the bottom going, I mean, it doesn't look too bad. Look at her go. How bad could this be, right? So they come over to me, it's my turn, and they put the harness on. And the harness doesn't really, like, fit in a graceful way. Again, back to the sausage kind of situation. I was never a small kid. So they're trying to, you know, ease me into the harness. And I'm, like, walking over to, to the ladder. And I get halfway up the ladder. And I realize for the first time in my life, like, I think I'm afraid of heights. I'm halfway up the ladder and I'm like, heck no, I'm not doing this. And they're all at the bottom and you were supposed to pick like a spiritual goal for the week, like something that you wanted to happen to you spiritually. And I think I picked to like, trust God, I should never have said that. And so halfway up the ladder, they're like, what's your spiritual goal? And I'm like, who cares? Right? <laughs> so I get all the way up there. I finally get all the way up there because there's so much urging and cheering this is the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. The first part of this obstacle course were these swinging rope loops. And you have to put like one foot in the loop, and the moment you put a foot in the loop, the other foot slides way back, because the first foot slides way forward, and you're doing like splits in the air. Okay? And the only thing under your split legs... Is the ground as far below you as the zip line here at this camp? Yes. You have a harness on, but, okay. And you're supposed to, somehow, I make it through that first challenge, and I, this is the part that's about immovable. I sat down. <laughs> I sat down on a wooden, like, platform, and I'm crying. I'm more than crying. I'm, like, hyperventilating, sobbing. And I sat down, and there's like one person up there. I still remember his name. I won't say it, but that's how much it traumatized me. I know his name. And I'm 43. This was 16. I know his name. If I ever see him again, I'm telling you what. So I sit down on this platform. I've forgiven him. I sit down on this platform, and I told him, you know, crying, sobbing. I'm not moving. I refuse to move. Immovable. And he's like, well, you, Christy, you have two choices. You either have to go backwards to the ladder or forwards to the next challenge. I go, I'm not moving. I don't care what you say. And we went through this for about five minutes. You know, while I'm crying, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. And my friend's on the ground, 40 feet down, going, I've never seen her cry. Get her down. And so, because I'm not a big crier, I was literally traumatized. And guys... They hooked a zipline to me and pushed me off. And I screamed bloody murder the whole way down. And at the bottom, there was this knot in the rope that like jerks you so you, that you stop. And it like jerks the harness up, hurts like crazy. Okay? The harness that already didn't fit went straight up like even more uncomfortably. And I am screaming. But now I'm not screaming out of fear. I'm screaming out of anger. And they get me off, and there's like this little cherry picker ladder, and I get down the ladder, and I just sit on the floor, and I am—I don't think I've ever been this ticked off in my life, okay? And uh, the camp director comes over to me; <laughs> he's really embarrassed because my dad is kind of a well-known figure in the world of youth ministry and camping ministry, okay? So the camp director is a little nervous, <laughs> and he comes over to me, and I'm like crying and ticked off, and he goes. Um, Christy, I am, I am so sorry that you had such a bad experience. But what do you think that you learned from the whole thing? Like, what do you think God taught you? And I go, never to come back to this camp. <laughs> I said that. Okay, all that to say, I did not do well that week. All right? And the nurses rubbers. There's, you know, everything, just everything, right? And we finally get to Friday night, and the speaker as if everything hadn't already gone wrong. The speaker, who is a friend of mine, he's like, I want to just draw attention to one young lady tonight, one special young lady. And I'm like, oh no, it stinks to be her, right? And he's like, Christy Walker, where, Christy, where are you? And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me, right? But what he said was really nice. He's like, you know, some of you, you've just whizzed through all the physical challenges, right, easy, because you're athletic. Christy is not. I'm like, thanks. Thanks for pointing that out. He's like, but this year Christy started a Bible study at her public high school. How many of you have done that? You know? And like, no hands. And the place just breaks into an applause, you know, and I was like, whoa. Whoa. Because I had done something scary for Christ already, you know? But I couldn't do the physical stuff. I wasn't an athlete. I was scared of heights. I was, but up on that ropes course, I became immovable. That's what immovable means. I'm not moving. I don't care what happens. I'm not moving. But immovable in a bad way, right? Like common sense tells you you'll never get off. You'll starve up here. You'll be a a bag of skeleton bones if you don't move. And I'm like, I'm not moving, okay? Immovable in a bad way. We want to be immovable in a good way. And immovable in our faith in Jesus which is the same as being steadfast, right? Therefore, my beloved sisters, be steadfast, immovable. Don't let anyone move you from faith in Christ. No one. But there are going to be things in your life that tempt you to move away from your faith in Christ. And maybe you're sitting there tonight going, "Uh -uh. Mm uh-uh, my faith in Jesus is steadfast. I'm not going anywhere. Well, I'm going to give you a list. It's all in your notes. These are the things that Satan is going to try to use in life to move you from your faith in Christ, okay? The Bible tells us that Satan came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that God came, Jesus came to give us abundant life. Very different, okay? Satan wants to steal your faith. He wants to kill your faith. He wants to destroy your faith in Jesus. And these are some of the things he's going to use. Number one is deceit. That means lies. Deceit. He did this to Adam and Eve in the garden, which is why you have a picture of them. Satan, disguised as a serpent, said, God didn't really say, you will surely die. You won't surely die if you eat from this tree but they would surely die. That's a lie, okay? And that deceit, that lie caused Eve to reach out and grab that fruit and take a bite. Even though her life was perfect, her relationship with God was perfect, her relationship with Adam was perfect, everything was perfect. No sin, no peer pressure, no bad kids trying to get her to do bad stuff, nothing except for the serpent, who said, you won't surely die. And the serpent was so beautiful and convincing that she believed it. Deceit. Number two is doubt. The same story. Satan says, God didn't really say. Right? Sticking that little doubt in her mind. James, the book of James, tells us to pray without doubting. When we pray, pray believing without doubting. But Satan will cause you to doubt. God can't do what you're asking. Why would you pray that? God's not going to do that for you. God can't do that for you. You're asking Him for too much. God isn't good. Has Satan ever got you to doubt God's goodness? God's, God's thrown too much hard stuff at you, He's not good. But that's the voice of the enemy of God, right? The third one is desire. It is by your own evil desires, the book of James says, that you are dragged away and enticed. Sure, Satan plays a hand in it, but guys, girls, we have also, we have our own desires that sometimes play a part in us moving away from Jesus. Okay? Jesus can be here, and we're having a good relationship with Jesus, and we, there's something over here that we've always, I just, I've always wanted that. I mean, like, I really want it, and I don't think taking a few steps towards something I really want is that big of a deal, is it? until Jesus gets farther and farther away, it is by your own evil desires that you are dragged away and enticed. I just moved. I said I would never move. I thought I was immovable. But my desires landed me here, right? The fourth one is discontentment. I had two little girls on my missionary team when I got there. Their names were Brielle and Abby. And... Uh, Brielle was older than Abby, but they were still little, and I was in the van with them one night, like a minivan with them. We were all shopping, grocery shopping with their moms and stuff, and I was sitting in the van with the two girls while the mom shopped, and uh, the littlest girl, Abby, said to Brielle, what does discontentment mean? Or she said, what does contentment mean? Okay? And Brielle, who was a little older, said, oh, contentment is when you're really happy with everything that you have, which is true, Right? And then Brielle said, and I would be really happy if I just had one more Barbie. She understood what contentment meant, <laughs> but she struggled with discontentment. Discontentment is when you, whenever you think, I would be happy if. I could be happy if. If God would just... Give me this one thing that feels like it's out of my grasp. Right? That's discontentment. The opposite of contentment is discontentment. Contentment looks like, God, I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That means the Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing else I want. There's nothing else I need. If nothing else was ever given to me, I have everything right now. And the Bible says, that verse says, that 1 Timothy 6.6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's great gain. And I'll tell you something weird about women like me who don't get married. Okay? If you become content, which means okay with the way that God did it, the way that God designed it, with what God didn't give and what he did give. If you become okay with that and happy with that, people even doubt your sanity. Like, you can't possibly be okay with that. Right? Something else is wrong with you then. You're not a a normal woman. A normal woman would want a complete life. The whole package. Husband, children, that's the whole package? I thought God was the whole package. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. When the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. I've gained something great when I've gained contentment. But that's not even how the church makes single women feel. Sometimes, right? Sadly. That's discontentment. What's the next one's discouragement? Discouragement. This verse in Psalm 43, 5 says, Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Why are you so discouraged? Discouraged is this. I can't do it. It's too hard. Right? Discouraged. Why are you so downcast or discouraged, O my soul? Put your hope in God. It's a beautiful verse, okay? Discouragement can cause you to move away from God. I can't do it. Christianity is too hard. What God is asking is too hard. I just want a normal life. I just want to be happy like everybody else. Going to church all the time and following all these rules in the Bible, it's too hard. Right? And that can cause you to go, I'm done. And guys, your teenage years, right around the corner, and a lot of these things are coming for you during adolescence, your teenage years, a lot of these things are coming for you, these, these challenges. Right? Be a Deborah. And when you're not... Go find a friend who is and stick close. Stick close and say, I need some support. I need some spiritual support. The final one is disappointment. This, is, this was it for me. This was mine. Disappointment. If there was anything that could get me to walk away from Christ, it was this. I wrote a book. It's on the table back there. It's called Disappointment. And the subtitle is A Subtle Path Away from Christ. Disappointment is the opposite of an appointment, only the appointment only existed here in your head. It's when you say, I want this and this by this and this time, and then God doesn't deliver it, and you're disappointed. But God, I asked you. But God, I thought you would give me the desires of my heart but God, I thought you would give me absolutely anything I ever asked you for, no matter if it was good for me or bad for me. Now I'm disappointed in you. Whoa, he never promised you that, did he? If he doesn't deliver it, he never promised it to begin with. God always delivers what he promises. Disappointment can cause us to walk away from Christ. And I went through that with this whole issue of not finding romantic love when I was young, okay? I thought God did that to me God disappointed me God I told you I'd be a missionary if you gave me a husband and you didn't you disappointed me God cannot disappoint he cannot disappoint because everything he says he'll give you he will give you he does you make stuff up in your own head and you end up disappointed right and that's what I did I wanted to be married in my 20s and have children. God, you disappointed me. God's never disappointed me. All he's ever done is give and give and give and give and give. Like his grace hits me like waves at the ocean. That's how often God's grace and goodness hits me. It's like standing with your little toes at the tip, top of the ocean or a lake and those waves just keep coming at you that's how often God, God's goodness hits your life we just tend not to notice and instead we notice the one thing he didn't do you didn't do this though and now I don't think I can trust you okay one last thing and we're done we're done because you got to go you got stuff to do tonight I have a leaf in my hand see this leaf it's really, really little, so look at this one instead, okay? If you need, an, like, examples, look at these leaves, too. Every leaf, leaf has a middle vein, right? A middle vein going right up the middle of it, and then it has all these little, like, shooter outer, shooter outer veins, right? I'm sure there's a better scientific term. That middle vein, right up the middle, that's like our walk with Jesus, but we get so easily distracted and we start walking away from him. And that's like all those little veins coming off. Okay? Whenever you look at a leaf, think about this is my walk with Jesus. I want to stay on this middle vein and not get off on all these little side trips because I'm struggling with doubt, desire, discouragement, disappointment, whatever. Okay? This, there's a hymn in here that says, one hymn writer put it, Lord, I'm prone to wander, Lord. I feel it. I'm prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. God, I don't want to wander. I want to be immovable. I hope that's what you want too. I hope you want to be immovable. And it starts by staying really close to Jesus as a child and really close to people who love Jesus. And if that's not your mom and dad, then find adults and friends who really love Jesus and stay right there. Okay? Go to church, go to Sunday school, do whatever it takes to stay close to Jesus. Read your Bible, pray, stay close to Jesus. Because the teenage years are coming and we are prone to wander. But we want to be immovable. My, my dear sisters, let's be steadfast, immovable, right? Right? Let me just close us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us, help us stay close to Jesus. And if we don't know Jesus yet, I pray that tonight would be the night, that tomorrow would be the day. Lord, I pray that we would say, one not one day, but this is day one. For my spiritual faith, this is day, today is day one. I'm not gonna look at it anymore as one day. Today is day one. And then God, help us not to move away from Jesus Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.